Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Al and this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month we're discussing book seven, Pyramids. Boof. I feel like we've done enough of these now that I can do like uh you could just do my cadence. Ba 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 Uh-huh. You didn't like this one. Strong bad. At all. I sure didn't. Well tell us what happened and then we'll get into it. Not much. Oh, come on. You wrote at least two sentences here. Tepic, son of a pharaoh-like king of Dejeli Baby, an Egypt-like place, goes to Ankh-Morpork to become an assassin. When his father dies, he returns and finds that the kingdom is ruled by priests, who spend too much time and money on death ceremonies, including the pyramids. Adventure, time travel, and quantum occur when he tries to fight tradition. You don't like time travel. <sighs> Let's go through the list of things you don't like. Yeah, but everything, all the things. This is all, everything. No, 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 no. Not about this book. It, this is like a taste calibration thing. This is like for our listeners. This is only our seventh episode, and not mm-hmm. everyone is necessarily personally acquainted with you. I don't understand. Especially since you have a locked Twitter account. Some of them, to you know, some of them. Can't might they just, just be a hear me <laughs> from they, there? Yes, but <laughs> if they're only hearing you on the show, they might not know everything about you. So I just mean generally. Well, yes. I mean, you are quite loud. Yeah, can't they just Your tell? Your voice does carry uh-huh. considerably. Uh, but you don't tend to like time travel. There are time travel stories you like, but you don't like them. I like. I usually don't like paradox time mm-hmm. travels. Or loops. Um, or loops. I, hate, I can think of, there's almost no examples of time loop things that mm-hmm. I like. Um, there was a very recent episode of Star Trek Discovery that you liked. I loved it. Yeah, um, but that I think you liked it more because they managed to find an angle on that you hadn't seen before because you hate that that trope what i hate is seeing the same sequence over and over again mm-hmm. and there was some of that there was comedy of repetition there was a whole sequence where the same paragraph was said over and over again and as you pointed out since we do the audiobook mm-hmm. versions you couldn't just skim your eyes over them you had to hear it yeah i over couldn't and over. i couldn't just so. be like ah, da, 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 i get that i get yeah. it i get it i get it and I don't think that kind of thing's funny either, Mm-mm. but I think it bugs you way more. And then there's a bunch of math jokes, and you're not really a math guy. I don't have the constitution for it. You and H.P. Lovecraft both. I'm nothing like him, ex- except, except for that. Except for this. Yes. I would let you name a cat before I let him name a cat. Yes. Ten times out of eleven. No, eleven times out of ten. Yeah. Do not Google H.P. Lovecraft cat, please. No, don't it is do it. the He's worst bad. thing. bad. And, and you bad. think I'm kidding. Really don't. Don't do it. He's it's bad. It's real bad. Um, so, yeah, there's something worse than this book. Yeah. Now, I, this might have been the first Discworld book I ever read, or if not, it, one of the earliest ones. It was for me, because Matt, our mutual friend, uh-huh. um, he uh, recommended Discworld to me, and he said, here, start with this one. Well, it's a very standalone book. There's nothing that really ties before or after. There's some references to... Other stuff mm-hmm. that'll that we've heard before, and there's other stuff that we'll see later. But for the most part, you can just read this in and of itself. Yeah, and you don't you did you don't need context, you don't need no. much of anything. No. Um. So it, it makes sense as a standalone. Yeah. But well, when I read it, I remembered liking it, but this time uh, it was just kind of dull, and there wasn't really anything to latch onto, and it was just you know. As we read it, because this is the first time I've read this since that time. Like, yeah. I, this is not one that I. I know when when are we talking? Like, how long? God, this was. 
like when I was in high school. Because I'm going to say you're in your mid thirties now. Yeah. Like I want to get a context. This for was like, probably 15 years ago. At so least. like when you were a teenager or maybe 20, yeah. like you were a very different person, is what I'm getting. Yeah. At. So I thought, like I, as I was reading it, I remembered not particularly liking it, but mm-hmm. there was some funny bits, and so it was enough that I was like yeah engaged in reading another book and then he mm-hmm. gave me one of the witch's books and i was like oh yeah no i love this no, as, if if this is the only terry pratchett you ever read and it's a ta- like it's a taste of his style yeah it's like ooh, i like the way this guy writes i wonder what else he does and it's nothing about what's special about him except his writing style yeah and there is some of his writing style in this it was yeah. good but... no his wit is here yeah. but his heart is not no it was and yeah, I didn't like this the first time, and I I liked it even less. Now I'm, I would say somehow I'm more critical. What? Which is no, you like, absolutely are. How can how can the ocean be deeper? Well, it's because in the you're you're a very voracious reader. You've read so many things, and I think when that happens, when you expand your 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 horizons like that, you you like you get more critical because you've seen so many good things. And I've seen so many good standards. things by this author. Yeah. Yeah. No, we know he's capable. The previous book, he's capable of so much more. Weird Sisters the next wasn't, book. Weird Sisters wasn't perfect, but no. it was a Terry Pratchett book. It was a Terry Pratchett-ass yeah. Terry Pratchett book. And the next one, Guards, Guards, yep. same. It's He knows how to do it now. It's not like we're waiting for him to find his voice. It's not like we're waiting for him to find that special, like, I call it his heart. That's not quite right. But he's got this great sense of humanity, mm-hmm. this great sense of, like, like looking out for the little guy kind of thing like it's such a good he's a real punch up author yeah which you know for a stuffy old white dude from england from a million years ago who got knighted yeah yeah that's very good yeah and so but we're we're definitely in the period now where he's learned how to do that it's not like okay we're waiting for him to grow Mm -hmm. no he's grown he's written two books like that now because Mm -hmm. equal rights had a lot of that too but weird sisters had it full force that was full-on the terry pratchett you and i know and love yep and this was a huge step back. It was a it was huge. There was long, boring swaths of nothing, and some comedy sequences that were deeply unfunny. There and were really long. I would argue there are also some uh, good comedy sequences. There were there were laughs in this. Mm-hmm. It's it's like if you just read passages, and mm-hmm. I didn't. It feels like I did this out of spite. Mm-hmm. I'm prefacing this because I did not do this out of spite. But you you were ahead of mm-hmm. the reading. And so I started reading it after you. And you were saying, oh, this is terrible. There's nothing. There's nothing good in it. And I wrote down every good thing I found. And it, it, it really wasn't. You were wasn't... worried we weren't having anything to talk about. That's... That it would just be me, like, making a sigh noise the whole and time. And I thought maybe, I don't know, maybe you tuned out and I wanted to. Admittedly. I did. I was yeah. ahead in the reading, and I I, I, I read a lot, so I was just, yeah. I was listening to this while I was doing other stuff, mm-hmm. and I found myself deliberately not listening. Like, my brain was like, no, I don't think so. So I had to re- I had to rewind and get no, and back listen- into it. Listening to you complain about yeah. it for a week, I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'm remembering mm-hmm. wrong, because we're usually pretty on the same page with him. Like, there's, there's some variance, but more yeah. or less... The reason we do the show is because we both love most of the same things about. That's Terry why Pratchett. we wanted to do the show yeah. was we didn't want to just have a, a show where we talked about something we hated or something, no. or even worse, something one of us liked and the other one didn't. No. Oh, this is one of those things you and I haven't. I think we probably talked about this in our first yeah. episode. We have in common. This is the overlap in our Venn diagram. We both love this author, and so you were sort of my canary in the coal mm-hmm. mine. And if you didn't like it, chances are I wasn't gonna either. We don't agree on everything when it comes to him, but a lot. And so I was like, okay. I'm hearing a lot of jokes here. I better write all these down. 
and you were overall right, but there are a lot of, because I did that, because I made myself mm-hmm. do that, I noticed there are a lot of good one-liners, there's a lot of good quick funny scenes, but then there's a lot of slow, long, boring scenes. And there's slow, long, boring scenes, and there's slow, long, boring comedy scenes. Yeah. And it was just like, oh. The thing is, there's a couple of books he does that are almost not comedy at all. Yeah. Like, there's some funny character bits, but it's pretty serious in this in this comedy series. The first time I read one of those, I thought I didn't like it. Well, um, we talked about it was a yeah. non-Discworld book, yeah. but you read uh, Nation. Yeah. And what you told me was it wasn't funny. I was like, oh, you didn't like it? And you're like, no, it wasn't funny. That's not the same thing. And because comedy is so important to me, I didn't understand the difference. And a few but. of the disc, the later Discworld books are very serious in tone. Yeah. And it took me a minute to get in tune with that because Nation, I was a little expecting to be comedy and then it mm. wasn't. But it, Discworld it's, it's, is all the but, same. Yeah, Discworld The same is, setting, the same yeah. characters, like so different groups, some, but different there's some ep- some episodes there's, yeah. <laughs> there's some books that are have a very different tone and it takes a, a minute it's, it's mostly the later ones yeah toward the end of his life when he knew the end of his life was coming mm-hmm. and he had some serious shit he wanted to deal with and i feel like he didn't have time to make it into comedy mm-hmm. he's just like i need to talk about this mm-hmm. it's just going to be a little more serious nation is very much about um uh, mortality it's it what he said was it was the reaction to him getting his uh, mm-hmm. alzheimer's diagnosis and him shaking his fist at the lack of god it's really good i it's one of my favorite things that he's done yeah but uh, there's some discworld stuff yeah. that gets to that yep. territory too and that's not the problem here the problem here isn't that it's not funny enough well it is that is a problem but it's not that he's tr- not trying to be funny but yeah he's there's failing just... to be funny and he's a, such a good comedy writer yeah. he knows better there's that Sphinx sequence. That's my bad thing. Okay, let's talk about it. So there's a sequence where um, time's all wonky doodle mm-hmm. because um, the pyramids are um, uh, displacing time. I like that whole concept. It's it's a pretty good concept. Uh, the idea is that this um, uh, Dejeli baby is uh, a little bit, uh, it's very traditional and things stay very much the same. And at first you think that it stays this way because of tradition and religion yeah, and all that. Yeah, you think it's figuratively stuck in the past. But then you then it turns out that time is being recycled here, so things actually don't move forward. Yeah, he created, he created this whole system where the pyramids mm-hmm. trap time and... The idea is it's supposed to be for the kings that they're, they're, they're mm. you know, to keep them preserved or whatever. But it really ends up like, and was that based on anything? It felt so specific. His whole, like, flaring the pyramids mm-hmm. and all that stuff. It, it felt like a reference to something I wasn't getting. Um, there's a, there's like some, I think some, um, what is it? The Golden Bough and Golden Dawn and all mm-hmm. that, like, uh, like, uh, early Victorian okay. like it might magic be that, yeah. stuff. I think there's some of that in there. Okay. I mean, he I draws, I'm not an expert. He draws in this. no, but you you've read more fantasy than me. Yeah, and and more classic literature than me. More every you read more than me. I like to read. It's my favorite thing. Yeah, and you know, I read <laughs> books a, will be my soulmate. <laughs> I read a decent amount, but I you know I'm more of a visual medium <laughs> guy usually. Um, but 
I, it felt like it was a reference to something and I wasn't but sure. time in this kingdom is described as being stale, right. like like old air. Right. Um, and it's because these pyramids are basically keeping them anchored to the past. And um, in order to like sort of show up the priests, Tepic says, well, fine, if we're going to have a pyramid, we're going to have the biggest pyramid, the most pyramid. It's going to mm-hmm. be twice as big as any other pyramid and have all of the things. And having one that big makes time all screwy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when this this all goes on and while he's mucking around with that he gets um, put sort of sideways to time mm-hmm. um, and there he meets the Sphinx um, which they'd mentioned a couple times earlier mm-hmm. uh, throughout the series like or throughout the book rather whereas the Sphinx is on the edges and it will appear when the kingdom is well, yeah, and it's, and or, it's obviously based on the yeah. traditional myth of the Sphinx and it the sequence is um, Tepic tricking the Sphinx into letting him go mm-hmm. uh, with uh, what is like a not very good Bugs Bunny style like trickery. Well, isn't the riddle the actual Sphinx riddle? Yeah. The yeah. classic Sphinx yeah. riddle, what goes on two legs, da 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 da. Yeah, and four legs right. in the morning, two legs right. in the afternoon, and, and three, three legs, legs in the night. evening. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's the Sphinx riddle. And, um, and something Derek Pratchett likes to do is to take something most of us are familiar with like mm-hmm. that. And pick it apart logically. He usually has some sort of like working class bloke down at the pub Mm -hmm. say, okay, but what about this? But what about, you didn't think about this, but what about this? And it's cute usually. This was, he was trying to do that and it failed so bad. The whole sequence felt really tacked on Mm -hmm. because the Sphinx had been mentioned a couple of times, but it didn't thematically fit in with anything else. I disagree because Tepic got like thrown out of the country and it's very traditional the hero has to find his way back home thing and it was like that was the last barrier to getting home i got all that as far as like basic story structure goes yeah but it didn't feel like it kind of came out of nowhere i don't know if you need one final guardian of the Mm -hmm. threshold to go back to your egypt place the sphinx is a pretty good choice i guess so but it just felt like and then we're here and doing this for some reason i get what you're saying but i don't know that i agree because it just feels like you're telling a story about Egypt. Like, throw all your Egypt stuff in one basket. And that's what it felt like. It felt like, but well, I better, I'd better talk about the Sphinx. And so I'm going to tack on this sequence. Eh, it wasn't well integrated. No, it wasn't. He usually does a much better job. Yeah. But but the witch's books are every witch story ever. Yeah. Like, in one big pile that he then repurposes to his own means. And But look at Black Alice. Who mm-hmm. uh, in, in Weird Sisters? Where who was all the evil? She's evil all witches. the fairy tale witches, yeah. and so they may they they, mm-hmm. they, they, the, they they the writers' room uh-huh. of Discworld. Terry Pratchett um, makes that a, a real person uh-huh. who all the other witches sort of look up to, but also are kind of worried about. No, he's that very good very at that graceful. kind of pastiche. The pastiche is his great. Yeah. Like he loves doing that, and he's very good at it. Usually, this was just like, and then there's a Sphinx, I guess, and mm. the scene was painfully unfunny yeah and it went on for a really long time and you're waiting like the biggest problem i had was and this is my bad mm-hmm. thing there weren't any good characters mm-hmm. to latch onto. like tepic there's a there's a thing in writing and this is hardly like first of all i am not i don't get paid to write i just i am a i'm an enthusiastic amateur mm-hmm. but anyone who reads knows this a character needs traits yes he needs like you can't just be defined by your job you yeah, need more tepic than that has two jobs and that's all that's about yeah, him it's he was trained to be an assassin, yep. so a lot of it is like he wanted, like, but then he mm-hmm. didn't want to kill anyone. So there was something there, but we didn't go enough it into never it. Really like, is he kind? Up. Is he against it morally? It like, just I don't know. honestly, it felt kind of like 
he just didn't have the stomach for it. But which is not the same as like. But it wasn't about that. No, and it could have been. Yeah. It, that could have been a yeah. character trait. But he was defined by that, and then he was defined by the fact that he was the king because his father died. Yeah. The god king. But that was it. Like, he wasn't... There wasn't any character there. And because of that, that riddle sequence, mm-hmm. like, that was the climax. Like, that was, like I say, his big triumphant yep. t- return home. The hero should... Like, that's his last big... He should fight if he's a strong guy he should fight this thing yeah but if he's, if he's like a clever if, guy if he's he clever should, but he he doesn't this is a riddle particularly thing. clever no, that's what i'm saying series. that's what i'm saying series. he he should have been like that's where it should have he should have been set up mm-hmm. as being clever the whole time so that when his big challenge is a riddle it's like ooh, he's ready for this and his conflict with dios the head who's the head priest mm-hmm. um could have been this is the first king that's been really clever smart enough to see around all my bullshit yeah and who would who could outfox him and like yeah. and move quicker around him mm-hmm. but he's not no it's very clear that this guy's been around for 7000 years mm-hmm. he's been through so many what do they say 1300 kings yeah. something like that which i kind of like that idea mm-hmm. but like all he did, it, it's very clear what was happening to Tepic happened to each of them in turn. Mm-hmm. He just wore them all down to a nub until he just ran everything. It wasn't like he seized power. It nope. wasn't like he was more powerful than them. He just had this this tradition and this custom that overruled everything, and they had to listen to him. Yeah, and, and the pressure of it, and just the wearing away. Yeah, and, and we watched him slowly deny Tepic mm-hmm. any agency whatsoever to the point where he was like, okay, fine, you're running things. Mm-hmm. And you get the impression every king before him went through that. Right. And if Tepic had gone through this for like a year, he would have just been like everyone else. But he left first. But there was nothing there. And that brings us to the other main character, which is um, Tracy or Patracy. Patracy. Unfortunately, Nigel Planer said Patracci, but it's P-T-R-A-C-I. C-I, yeah. And it's supposed to be sort of like a dumb blonde kind of name. Yeah. Like, Which later on, uh, like, fan fandom started calling Terry. Oh, yeah, calling him Pateri. Which is adorable. In the old uh, news groups. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that is cute. It is. Um, But uh, she, first off, is, I think... If she's not the only speaking female character, any other female character maybe has a line or two. She's um, pretty much the only th- There's one priestess toward the end who talks oh, right. a bit. Yeah. And then at the beginning, they mention a lady assassin teacher mm-hmm. who doesn't speak. She's just yeah, so, mentioned in so reference. A couple of women are mentioned as existing. Yes. But there's nowhere, this no, comes nowhere close to passing the Bechdel test. No, but she is like, she doesn't, and she doesn't show up until about halfway through the yeah. book. I, I noted it, um, and it was somewhere near the four hour mark. Yeah, before, of, an, of an eight hour audio book. Yeah. That's halfway through. Of a woman speaking. Yeah. So come on down to the cock forest. And she was like, uh, what she's is a it? concubine, yeah. like a handmaiden type. But. Clearly a sex worker, yeah. and it turned out, okay, the old king was actually her dad and knew that he was her dad and yeah. didn't use her for anything but conversation and, like, you know, I, like a, a massage. Yeah, like they... Like they, nothing weird. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't anything weird. But she um, she put she, she seemed put out by that because she was trained for sex work. Yeah. There was the bit where she said she was a virgin. Yep. Because he said, I'm an assassin and haven't killed anyone. And that was a little clever. Yeah, that was actually not some... some a number like, between zero and ten. Yeah, the, you, you, uh, he, she asked, well, have have you killed 50 people? And he's mm. like, even the best assassin in the world has only killed, like, 30 people. Mm-hmm. Of course I haven't. And then he's like, well, 
let's let's call it a number between zero and ten, mm-hmm. and it's zero. And it's pretty clear she knows that. Yeah. And then he asks her, "Well, how many how many men have, have you been, been with?" with? And yeah. uh, she says, "Let's call it a number between zero and ten. Yeah. Um, because she's uh, been trained as a concubine to the mm-hmm. to the king, so that's the that's the idea. Yeah, but she'd never actually gone through no. with it. But uh, when Tepic rescues mm-hmm. her and uh, she doesn't realize who he is, mm-hmm. and they don't know their brother and sister till the end, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, she pretty much offers him sexual favors for doing it. And right. like, come on, Pateri, you know better than this. And she's also, like, it's not like she's the only nothing. It's not like in some no. of the other books where, like, some of the Rincewind books where it's yeah. like, Jesus, this chick is nothing. Yeah. Um, no, none of the characters are. She's anything, nothing but... compared to everyone else who's also. But nothing. if you, you know, there aren't a lot of strong characters. If at least like she was okay, because he writes good strong women. He's he done does. it already. And not even the just, last book was nothing but that. Not even just strong women, but interesting women. Yeah. Like he writes women with depth and yeah. life. And Tracy had nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But even there's like, nothing to her. Like. Weird Sisters had three very well-defined co-protagonists mm-hmm. and a strong supporting cast of at least half a dozen. Nobody in this book really feels like a character. They're all broad strokes and sketches. Like, uh, and and I know in the next book mm-hmm. also, I can think of like three main characters and four or five supporting Who characters. Who are very good. Like, there's a rule. We, we, we were on this kick last year mm-hmm. where we watched a whole bunch of old screwball comedies. And one of the rules of screwball comedy, like one of the things that makes it a screwball no is... No boring characters. Yes. You don't just have your funny, like, it's usually a romantic comedy. Yeah. You, don't, you, you don't just have your, your funny man and woman. Mm-hmm. Every person they run into is an interesting character. If you come to someone at a foyer or at a shop or whatever, and sometimes the characters are, like, annoyingly broad. Oh, yeah. But, it's the 30s. Yeah. But they, there was work put into all of them. Yeah, there was an effort put in to yeah. make every character. So it's, like, it's not just, they don't just exist to be a straight man to prop up mm-hmm. everyone else. They're there. Because they're all entertaining and you watch them bounce off each other. And when I write stuff, I try to keep that in mind. I, I, it's, it's an important thing to do. And this book, everyone was a straight man acting off of no one. Yeah, and there was no, yeah, there was nothing. There were, there were little, like, I liked, um, I can't remember the character's name. The, um, and that's the thing, too, is yeah. everyone's very forgettable. The, the contractor, the guy oh, who builds... Oh, Dylan Gurn. Oh, no, uh, no, no, no. no, those were the grave... The, the... Did you, there's a pun there. Yeah, I know. He's Dill oh. the Pickler. Yes, I know. That's, I'm aware. L-Space had to point that out to me. I, I am know. aware. I got it the first time that through. was cute. I was wondering if Gurn was sort of a stretch on Gherkin. Could be. I don't is, know. But I, I couldn't. That is a reach. It, it's a reach, but it sort of sounded but similar. But he did some reaches. So. Yeah, and Dill, like it, uh, Gurn next to Dill sort of. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't sure. But the guy, no, the guy who built the pyramids themselves. Oh, um. Yeah. There's I, 2A and 2B is the sons. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Pattergast? No. P- Pederast? I think <laughs> it's Pederast. It's probably not that. Yeah. No. But anyway, um, that's not a bad start of an idea for a comedy character mm-hmm. because it's your contractor who's like, well, I could knock this wall out and put in a... I liked the joke about him always trying to get someone to take the statue that he bought mm-hmm. that he didn't want and yeah. everyone just saying no. No, were there, some, there were some cute... There were some jokes. good contractor jokes, and, and contractors in England are particularly. Well, I I I dated a girl whose parents were English, and they, they like there was some throwaway joke in a Monty Python thing, where it's like, oh, or thing, oh, it was in um, uh, Holy Grail, right? Where he's like, it, like 
it's an establishing shot where in the, when they're in the castle mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm going to knock that wall out. And I, I never even noticed the line. And he's like, that line kills in England. I'm like that line. I barely heard it's it. It's nothing. Yeah. He, no, it's, it's a rich person talking about how they're going to knock a wall out. And, but like, that's, that's such a big, that's all any middle-class people talk about there. Pataclusp. Right. Is the contractor. Right. And it's not a bad idea for a character because they he gets around the idea of because it is problematic to talk about how the pyramids were built because they were built by slaves. Mm -hmm. But here it's built by a contractor with magic. Mm -hmm. So it's a little easier to deal with. And a paid workforce. And paid workforce. And that's where the time travel comes in because he starts doing like time loop stuff where Mm -hmm. he can double and triple. And actually, this is this is where our our pune or play on Mm -hmm. words comes from. Uh, he decides uh, it's fine to just employ all these people mm-hmm. who are double and triple versions of themselves. They're doppelgangs. So good. That's pretty good. So good. Uh-huh. I don't know about so good. So good. But it's pretty good. I actually missed that the first time through. You had to point well, you that out. You said there weren't me. any puns, and I was yeah. like, no, there's definitely some puns. I was puns. thinking about it, and I'm like, I don't remember liking any of them There's or anything no, about there this were, book. No, there were a few good ones. There was an okay... We were in a, a analog of mm-hmm. ancient Greece, and there was some good jokes there, and there was a pie pie joke mm-hmm. that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the whole um, uh, philosophy sequence was okay. It wasn't amazing. I liked the axiom testing mm-hmm. station, where yep. basically all the all the old, you know, axioms that we know, mm-hmm. all the like, I don't know, angels dancing on the head of a pin, or yeah, I mean, how they, many that how many angels would yeah, it be, or yeah. could a tortoise, blah blah blah, whatever. Yeah. They're all out there testing them. Yep. Literally testing them, which is a very Terry Pratchett thing. Mm-hmm. Again, picking apart all these sayings that we know and, and taking them literally. And I usually like when he does that, and that was a good example of that. There's also one of the philosophers was named Ibid mm-hmm. because, uh, and it's like, um, well, I'm the mathematician, mm-hmm. and this guy's the philosopher, and Ibid does a little bit of everything else. Yep. And it's a joke about anything that's unattributed. Mm-hmm. Is, is called Ibid, and I thought that was pretty clever. And it sounds a little like Ovid, yeah. the, uh, the I think that was meant to yeah. be a thing. Too. Writer, yeah. philosopher, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, and they, uh, there's a line in, in there about, uh, oh, don't worry, it'll be attributed to you, just like everything else. Uh-huh. Like, that was very, and that one I didn't, I thought that he was just supposed to be a know-it-all kind of type, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pick mm-hmm. up the reference until you told me. It's, that's very funny. Yeah, it is. Yeah. it's basically calling your character like anonymous. Yeah, and they get together for um, like all the philosophers get together for a dinner, and there's some there's some good sequences there, and they have um, a listener hired who's mm-hmm. just basically there to make people feel heard, so they can mm-hmm. they can bounce ideas off of. And um, I didn't pick this up until I read in L Space, but it's supposed to be a bit of a joke about Socrates because all the writings that Plato mm. did about Socrates mm-hmm. where the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah where the the imaginary dialogue the imaginary and yeah stuff. and because the, the other guys are like oh so smart very good See, I, I like that I missed that stuff because I'm not as familiar with ancient Greece as probably I should be but I I did catch some of the sort of cheap uh, uh, psychiatry jokes yeah. and I didn't love those the philosophy jokes were pretty solid yeah but yeah. then but then the end of it the punchline yeah. was like and now I'll send you a bill because I listened to you mm-hmm. like okay Shut up. I get it. It's just, he knows better. He's so much better at these things. And the whole book had a bunch of sequences that felt very first draft. Yeah. Like, this, a joke like this only better. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody who writes does that kind of thing. You, you put in, like, eh, oh, more yeah. like this, only and, hone it later. And there were a lot of things that I'd seen done better and other things, and I'm not mm-hmm. hugely, like... We watched um, a couple years ago. I was on a, like I go on these kicks sometimes, mm-hmm. and and we watched a lot of, if not all, of the old British Carry On films, mm-hmm. 
which are very broad, sort of the the, the British version of Mel Brooks. Funny uh, though, Mel Brooks basically. Like surprising, like they a lot more of, them, of them than not. Yeah. A lot of them really hold up. Not I'm, all of them. No, but and they're they're very broad. Super broad. They're not like like when you think British comedy, you think clever. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of ass slapping and boobs yeah. falling out. It, and it really is like ooh ah nurse yeah. that kind of thing. It's it's British Mel Brooks. Yeah. And I don't like Mel Brooks, but I like this. I like Mel Brooks. But there were a couple of like historical mm-hmm. ones of those that I heard better versions of the mm-hmm. jokes in. And Python did better versions of yep. some of these jokes. Like, And again, I'm not hugely versed in a wide variety of British comedy, but I could think of two examples that did some of these jokes better than than here and they did it better in the past yeah not like that's the thing not yeah. like when we compared the shakespeare stuff to uh, upstart crow that was not fair yeah like it's things have changed and evolved and grown and some things have gotten more sophisticated or whatever yeah but yeah no this was in the past yeah yeah this is you know a little disappointing i i don't know like but there were a lot of passages <clears throat> excuse me a lot of passages that i i highlighted mm-hmm. just because i thought they were clever like there was one, uh, so to sort is mm-hmm. uh, Greece, right? Right. No, 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 it's no, Rome. Ephib um, is, is Greece. Yeah, because there's a bit where they're talking to yeah. the architect. And it says the architect's lips trembled as he tried out various comments, and in his imagination, ran them full tilt into Dios's stare. To sort wasn't built in a day, he mumbled. We do not believe we laid the specifications for that job, said Dios. That Pretty. That's a good line. Also, everyone's always saying. Oh, Dios, which sounds like odious. And that, that played good. more in the in yeah. the audiobook, I think. The thing is, I played the audiobook at 1.25 speed and I did not notice. I'm so dumb. I should have done that. This book was such a slog. <laughs> I didn't find it to be that bad, too. I was doing chores. I was washing dishes and my mind was wandering. I was paying attention to the dishes instead of the book. Our dishes are not that interesting. I've seen them. That's how that's how bored I was for huge sections of this book. Yeah. There was um there's another sequence I really liked was I we talk about um because we watch a lot of old movies, we talk about when the movie starts because mm-hmm. usually things take Oh yeah, movies yeah. are paced very differently back in the day. Yeah. And honestly, I'm starting to do it now with movies now. Like when are we going to get to the movie? Yeah. Uh, but usually about 20 minutes in is where the movie starts and we get to a sequence where Tepic is starting to um, wrong foot Dios mm-hmm. and him, Dios losing control of the situation and not knowing what to do mm-hmm. was so funny. Like mm-hmm. that was one of the few real standout, like because it was a good sequence. So this and it is was, your good thing. Yeah, this is my good thing. It was a good sequence and it was also, it felt like this is when the book was starting. Like I thought it was going to be more of that. I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be a lot of power interplay between the two. And all of a sudden I was more interested in Tepic because he was doing something interesting mm-hmm. and I was more interested in Dios because he was like There was sort conflict of, there and was he con- wasn't just yeah. the evil guy who was winning. No, it was just, and he was confused and trying to, to mm-hmm. get himself righted again and he was so bound by tradition that it was because, like once he started toppling it was hard for him to get back on mm-hmm. his feet again and that was i i really liked that and i thought that was gonna be the rest of the book and then it wasn't and then we left <sighs> the thing is terry pratchett famously an atheist mm-hmm. and wrote very good sort of religious straw man mm-hmm. for atheist argument type mm-hmm. stories like even in a story like this, which wasn't done very well, I hated Dios so much. Like, <laughs> no, that's re- just because you've done it before. Like, I was I, I was so ashamed of myself <laughs> for getting angry at him. Like, you idiot. You're falling for it. You're absolutely, he got you. Yeah, and he totally did. And 
I could see right through it. I could see all the cheap tricks and mm-hmm. it didn't matter. He he just he knows like the buttons that work on people who don't like religion. Yep. And you know, like I didn't like him and the reason everything was done because it was done and it was written and you don't do it another way and tradition ah, hate it. Yeah. Uh, all that said, though, my good thing actually involves religion, mm-hmm. specifically um, the bit where uh, we're still sort of in the prologue. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Tepic has just taken his um, uh, assassination yep. exam. The assassination exam sequence wasn't too bad. Disagree. Huh. I it liked a it. Lot. You know why? You don't have a driver's license. There's a lot of driving test jokes. It was supposed to, like, I think it was supposed to be like yeah. that. Yeah. And I have heard driving test jokes so many times. Huh. Like... The driving instructor makes you do this and do that and marks the point off for this. And That's you didn't check your mirror. And No, no, I know. But it's one of those hacky things that everyone makes jokes about. And, I don't think um, I've seen many jokes about You probably about haven't that. noticed it because yeah. it's not part of your frame of reference. Yeah. But I didn't I have it. the bus to drive me. And I'm not. That's not a, like, I wasn't, it wasn't a dig. <laughs> I'm just saying, for reference. That's not a thing you I would know. I thought it was pretty, like, I, I kind of liked it. I thought it was, the, the pacing on it was pretty good. I disagree. It was one of the only, actually, it was one of the only sequences that I thought the pacing was pretty good. We moved along I, at a pretty so good So many hack stand-ups have done driving school jokes. There was a whole sequence in The Naked Gun. Maybe It's I'm, been done a lot. Maybe I'm, like, maybe I'm just young enough that I missed a lot. Like, maybe they were passe by the time I was watching a lot of stand-up. Maybe, I don't know. Anyway, um, but after that, uh... His father dies, mm-hmm. and because the king in their kingdom is God, he actually becomes God. Yep. And this is the way Discworld works. All of the gods that everyone believe in mm-hmm. are all true, and that's where the big like apocalyptic climax happens, where all the gods everyone's been believing in forever all come to life yep. all at the same time. Even the contradict, like there's two or three different suns. Yeah, the, because the, the sun <laughs> myth is contradicted by different. And it's self-contradictory like this religion yes. it's no, not like Dias all of the religions designed all this himself yeah and he just sort of like threw stuff together yeah and so the dung got beetle pushes the sun, sun across but also the king makes the sun rise yeah but also the the goddess of the sun makes it rise and the charioteer of this so all of them are and it all has to, to be it. simultaneously yep. true but because of this and because Discworld from book mm-hmm. one belief is the thing and mm-hmm. that's still consistent yep he becomes god he suddenly knows everything and has this, like, omnipotence, and then he, like, gets there and it settles down because the kingdom is, you know. Well, what I liked is that his, he has the moment where he takes the divine spark mm-hmm. um, when his dad dies. And mm-hmm. he feels it, and it's something, and it's a moment, but it does die down very quickly because um, the belief is not that that powerful but right. once the kingdom comes out of time and all the gods come mm-hmm. he beca- he gets more and more power because right. the belief rises and and the, there's gods and all of this must uh-huh. be true and like grass starts growing around his feet yeah. like corn and all of that no i like all that Is and there's grass uh i don't know you'll have to ask uh, bill corbett oh, of, I should. Uh, of rift tracks yeah please do um but I, there was some moses jokes there mm-hmm. that i didn't love mm-hmm. um but anyway um the bit where he becomes god i thought was very good that was good, and it's a seagull is like the avatar that mm-hmm. that <laughs> that brings him the god power. Right. Like, what's the, the psychopomp for being a god? I don't remember the word. I have no idea. Anyways, you are whatever. so far out of my uh, out of my wheelhouse. I have no idea. Um, that's actually a little bit the 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 gods and all that is actually kind of my quote. Okay. Um, 
there's a, a sequence where all of the gods have come re have become real and uh, Dias is looking at them and he says Chethet, the god-headed god of metalwork, was growling and attacking his fellows at random with his hammer. This was Chethet, Dios thought, the god he had created to be an example to men in the art of wire and filigree and small beauty. Chethet. Chethet, thought Dios. Maker of rings, weaver of metal. Now he's out of our heads and I see his nails grow into claws. This is not how I imagined him. <laughs> well, because he probably <laughs> described it to people and other people imagined mm -hmm. it and that's the belief. And also the gods come out a bit stupid yeah. in this. They're like, we see other gods who are more sort of fully formed. Because it's what the people believe. Yeah. And people are dumb. Mm -hmm. And Terry Pratchett's very pro-people. Mm -hmm. It's not, the point isn't religion is dumb because people are dumb. It's these people were told a story over 7,000 years. It's a copy of a copy of a copy yeah. of a copy of a copy. And a guy whose entire existence is tilling the fields and that's it, hearing a story about a dog god probably is just going to picture something real simple because he's never learned anything out of a book or they whatever. They probably don't think about it that much. Like, they might think no, about they it a do. little. They might think about it some. They have to go to... These people are crazy pious. Mm -hmm. They, they like, there yeah, was a guy who... there's 600 gods, you don't have all that much time no, to focus but, on each one. But there was a guy who imprisoned himself because he, like, blasphemed against the king. Yeah. Like, honor system. Mm -hmm. These guys are terrified of, the, like, the... That's when we realize Dios is completely in charge. Mm -hmm. It's not that he's evil. It's that everyone believes it so much that, like, he's basically tells Tepic, okay, do what you want. Go ahead. Try. And the people won't let him. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, they all believe it so hard that it doesn't matter. But a lot of it, like, there's a lot of this, um, the, the God stuff in here that's pretty good. Yeah. But it comes, like, we definitely see in later books, it's, it's a lot more fully formed and... Yeah. And, but Dios had some good moments. He had some good yeah. like crowd in. And one of my one of my little passages that I highlighted, mm -hmm. just this this sums him up perfectly. Mm -hmm. These these like couple of sentences. Dios really is sums. by far like none of the characters are amazing, but he's the most interesting no, but of them. He loves his grand vizier characters, mm -hmm. and he even calls it out. Mm -hmm. He says, "If there's a grand vizier, he's evil." He, there's a sentence that just basically yeah. says that. Like he's read a lot of stories, and he tells a lot of stories, and that's just how it goes. These people are not nice ever. I don't know. Have we ever has I can't remember Terry Pratchett writing a Grand Vizier character that I ever really loved. I don't remember. Like Dios is okay as far as in in this book he's the best character. Yeah. But that's not saying much. No. But this this sums him up perfectly. At the end of a long day of like trying going through all the, like he does a bunch of King Solomon mm -hmm. stuff and gets overruled over and over and over again. And he finally says, uh, "I will retire to my quarters," said Tepic coldly. "I have much to think about." Therefore, I will have dinner sent in, said the priest. It will be roast chicken. I hate chicken. Dio smiled. No, sire. On Wednesdays, the king always enjoys chicken, sire. That's it. That's yep. perfectly it. Yep. Because this is what the legend says. I don't care what you think. It doesn't matter if you don't like chicken. The king enjoys chicken. And that friction mm -hmm. was the strongest part of the book. Yeah, and it was 5% of the book, yeah. maybe 10. But that's where the book was. That's uh -huh. where, that's, yeah. that's what... Every time we were back to that, my attention was back Even again. right after that, mm -hmm. when Tepic puts on his assassin garb mm -hmm. and goes and rescues uh, Patracy mm -hmm. and tries to rescue this other guy who mm -hmm. had himself imprisoned and, and who didn't want to go, which was basically the guy in the dungeon in Life of Brian. Yeah. But anyway, um, I got a, I got a, I don't know if it was intentional, but I got mm -hmm. a superhero vibe. Mm -hmm. I got a Batman, because... 
he went off yeah he went off to the to the exotic city and got special training and now he's got cool black sneaking around clothes and all kinds of special gear there's a really good line um where uh it says um he came back to the jelly baby with only the clothes on his back mm-hmm. but the clothes on his back were his assassin's outfit so mm-hmm. he came with all the knives and all yeah. of that stuff. that was that was so good but if the whole book had been mm-hmm. what you talked about the mm-hmm. conflict of this is what the king does and i don't care what you want and basically that daredevil thing of okay if i can't defend them as a lawyer then i'll go beat them as a uh, as a superhero yeah a vigilante against himself yeah like like undoing his own judgments yeah more of that because Tepic would say let this guy go and then dios would say the king has said yeah throw him in iron well he says like uh prepare for the wisdom of the king, king. and, yep. and Tepic would say what do you think prepare for the interpreted wisdom of the king and say what he you know what dios wanted yeah, yeah. Exactly. or what was traditional that's the thing it's not what he wanted it's and that's why he wasn't evil and that's why he wasn't interesting because mm-hmm. it had nothing to do with his agenda it was just what was written down by him, but it was still from a long time ago for the greater good. It was heart was in the right place, even though it was, you know, like stuck in the past, but an interesting villain. I don't know. Selfish. I I kind of liked that. He was a villain who didn't even get to enjoy villainy. I like villains like that traditionally, but in a broad story like this, I don't think you're painting with a subtle enough brush for that to to land you might as well just be evil but this was like that kind of evil is a lot um more sort of chilling yeah evil that doesn't even have fun doing it when you get when you get into those subtle later books that would be great this is not a subtle story and so that doesn't really fit with the rest of it like he should have just been a cackling evil guy who was doing this for self-serving reasons that would have fit the tone of the story better or the story could have been sharpened up and we could have had that's yeah 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 exactly um, but again, there were some good lines. Uh, this one I noted, uh, mm-hmm. seeing contrary to popular wisdom, isn't believing it's where belief stops because it isn't needed anymore. Oh, that was really good. That's a very good line. And that's a very Terry Pratchett line. Yeah, it is. Um, L space talked about this, but I noticed it as well. There's, um, a book series called Gormenghost mm-hmm. that Terry Pratchett. I know you're familiar with them. I am I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. They're a lot. Mm-hmm. Like if you are not interested in watching people swan around in a a ridiculously overwrought melodramatic setting. It's not for you. It's Mm -hmm. so much. And Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. And Terry Pratchett liked it quite a bit too. Yeah. You referenced it in the last book as well, apparently. And it's, there's a lot of Gormenghast in the bones of Discworld, mm-hmm. um, but he brings it like it's brought up again. There's a lot of parallels between the story of Gormenghast and the story of the kingdom, uh-huh. um, the the advisor, and even the bit where the the dad kills himself. The dad kills himself because he thinks he's an owl in Gormenghast, and okay. this the the dad kills himself because he thinks he's an eagle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the obsessed with cat's mother. Like there's just a lot of points of similarity, mm-hmm. and. I don't say this lightly about Terry Pratchett, but don't put a good book in your bad book. It yeah. doesn't, you don't come off looking good. I mean, oh. we we say this coming off a book that was a pastiche of a bunch of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Like, he can do it. He can do it. He, he took some of the great works mm-hmm. of English drama of the last 500 years and turned it into a good book. So... He's capable of it. it. Even at this point in his career, he's capable of it. It did not compare well. I know, but 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he's already got the chops. He is a great writer. Like I know. he's a he yeah. it was. He's but, always he was always dismissed as a pop writer, but he was still like he did so many of the things that great literature does, and that's one of the things I love about him. But it's so accessible. Yep. But because Gorman Gost is not accessible. Right. No, and to me, a great popular writer mm-hmm. will take complicated themes in books that people like me will never read and put them in books that I will read so that I can therefore learn them and enjoy them. Yeah, and he takes a lot of yeah. the themes and stuff of other properties and really does put them together in a really pleasing way. Yeah. And, and he wasn't perfect at no, it, but, but but he did a very good job of like opening my eyes mm-hmm. to a lot of different things. And you uh, read other stuff because you read this. Yes. Like you, because he referenced it. And again, it, yeah. I think a great author will do that yep. as well. It'll be like, oh, that was his inspiration. I mm-hmm. want more of this. What is that about? Yeah, there's also, there's a lot of Once and Future King in his mm-hmm. in his stuff. And Once and Future King actually is pretty accessible. Like, that's mm-hmm. a read that a person could do and not go yeah, like, I made a Disney Whoa. movie out yeah, of it. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's really good and it's funny. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel nearly as long as it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a quick read. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of that in, in Discworld, too. There was what felt like, in the early parts anyway, what I thought was kind of him doing sort of Mm anti-royalist stuff because a lot of, like, just against the king. But Mm -hmm. then he took a sharp turn the other way and was criticizing democracy Mm -hmm. when they went to, like, Efeev. And so, like, I I don't know. And it could be, okay, I'm just insulting everyone, and that's fine. But it felt more like, oh, I better not be seen as too anti-royalist. And so also it, there's, democracy a lot, there's also too. a lot of anti-theocracy stuff as well. Yeah. So it's anti-everything, yeah. which is an okay position for a satire to take, to yeah. be clear. But in the early parts, like, I read it because you can't not read it, an English author writing anti-royal stuff as political. It did feel a little unfocused, though. Yeah. But there were bits like there there, there was this. Um uh, anyway, they were royalty, he added. Not like some of the ones you get these days. Uh, here today, gone next millennium. They're half gods, too. You don't expect real royalty to pay its way. That's one of the signs of real royalty, not having any money. He just took a <laughs> yeah. lot of cheap shots at probably the queen. Mm-hmm. Again, it's hard not to make that assumption with a British author. That's just, that comes with, you're writing about kings and queens, you're probably writing about your own kings and queens. Something else we should probably mention, when I was reading this, it having... Someone from a non-Western culture go to a Western-based culture and then come back and say how shitty their non-Western culture was felt a little, like... Problematic? Problematic, and especially since a a British author was writing Mm -hmm. it and the whole issue of um, colonialism yeah. and imperialism and neo-colonialism. I can um, see that, and I I am not qualified to say whether you're me, right because I'm a white dude. But me neither. We're yeah. like, we're a couple of white dudes yeah, sitting but in a room here. I will say I think what I think, and I again I'm not trying to mm-hmm. say this with any kind of authority at all. This was my interpretation. Is it's based more on the historical precedent mm-hmm. of Egypt, ancient Egypt yep. was isolated for so long. And then they got exposure to, to ancient Greece and Rome and stuff, and everything completely changed for them. I think it was more that. I think it was more, oh, wait, there's a rest of the world out there. Oh, no. And I don't think it was meant to be bringing the wisdom of the white people here. I think it was more it realizing felt- the rest of the world existed. And there's definitely stories, like a, a, there's a, a an English tradition of 
um, like some nobility from another country coming to English boarding school mm-hmm. and having that oh, whole yeah. experience. Like that's that's a rich vein. And of, there was of some of the assassin stuff bored the tears out of yeah. me because it was like jolly good boarding school yeah. chums, and I didn't follow any of it. And that reminded me of a lot of other yeah. lit stuff that I've read, yeah. like the really broy uh, boarding school stuff. But and that's that's something. But they, there was some stuff that really felt a little and. Part of the problem with the kingdom was that it was literally stuck back in time. Right. Um, but there were some moments that were sort of uncomfortable to read, and mm. it might not have been in there. I might have been looking for it, but it, oh, and again, not not qualified. No, we are no. I don't know what I'm of talking about, but it felt weird. Yeah, I get it. I didn't see it, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I just again, I thought it was based more on the historical precedent, but eh, who knows? There's definitely a case to be made for yeah. what you're saying. Um, the camel stuff was okay. Yeah. There's a camel named You Bastard. Yep. Which was cute. And all the ba- all the camels are named like named that like stubborn ass mm-hmm. and like No, and it's a very Douglas Adamsy thing mm-hmm. where the camels are way more intelligent than anything else, but they have to pretend to be stupid or else humans will exploit them and that's kinda cute. Yeah, and there's a there's a good bit about dolphins. Like um mm-hmm. camels are smarter than dolphins because uh camels didn't end up trying to uh, find getting... underwater mines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was good. Um, and the the camels are extra good at math because they're out on a desert and they have nothing to think about but math all the time. Right. And they have to be able to do it all in their heads because they can't write anything down. Yeah, but then there were so many math jokes that I didn't get. There was a lot of math jokes. I am also not qualified to say <laughs> if those were funny. No, and it got a little much. Like it was cute to know yeah. and every now and then to come back to, but it was there were pages and pages of it. And I was like, I don't know. That was another that thing right. that I if I had been reading it with my eyes instead of my ears, flip, 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 flip. Now a math joke that did land for mm-hmm. me because it was broad and not specific was uh the so the the, the builder of the pyramids mm-hmm. had two sons. And one of them is the accountant mm-hmm. and the other one is the uh he's more of um like a quantum architect. Like he's, right. So he's yeah. the creative type. Yeah. He's the one actually building the stuff. And the other one's trying to figure out how to pay for it. And at one point he says, uh, because of all the time mm-hmm. shenanigans and stuff, he said he had to invent algebra and calculus to figure out how to get paid. Yes, that was very good. And I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of references to pyramids sharpening razors, which he uses a lot. And I had no idea. That's apparently a common reference. And I don't know, you know. Yeah, I don't know. There's also, he he brought up a couple times that Tepic had this dream of uh, cows. Four cows or something? Yeah. yeah. And I was reading it and I'm like, I don't know what this is. And I thought it was like a, a reference to a Looney Tunes cartoon or mm. something or like a Betty Boop that I hadn't seen. But it turns out it was from the Bible. Like oh. it was like a biblical thing that some Bible guy dreamed mm, because of A lot God. of the things we don't recognize seem to be coming from the Bible. Well, that was one that Elspace had to point out to me because I am not familiar. No, that's... But this wasn't from the sexy part of the Bible. No, of course not. Um, anything else? Um, did you do your quote? I have not. I have done some quotes, so I will do my quote do now. Do your quote. Uh, so this is after Tepic gets back home mm-hmm. and he's trying to like settle in and get comfortable and he just uh, he misses plumbing and he misses good bedding. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there was at least one sort of half-ass hidden joke about Egyptian thread count mm-hmm. sheets or something, but I didn't quite, like, I, it wasn't enough that I caught it, but I thought I almost recognized we're it. We're not really plugged into sheets either. No, we're not fancy guys. We have an Ikea bed. What are you going to mm-hmm. do? You know about our bedroom now. Um, but uh, he, there, there's this bit where he's trying to get comfortable. He said, there was the shame of his ancestors when future archaeologists translated the as-yet unpainted frescoes of his reign. 
Squiggle, constipated eagle, wiggly line, hippo's bottom, squiggle. And in the year of the cycle of the Sefnet of the sun god, Tepic had plumbing installed and scorned the pillows of his forebears. Very good. Yes, I liked that. Uh, so for our cliche count, mm-hmm. um, we we do have... Uh, this this was fun. So, okay, there were two gingerlies. There was one susuration. There was one surreptitious. We had the very first appearance of something that happens to other people. Yes, I was so happy. We, we audibly cheered. We were listening to the audiobook at the same time. Yeah, because... And we both when, went, yay! When we can, we like to listen to it, like, in yeah, the we, car Yeah, we usually... I, we were trying to start them together. Yeah. And then we go off on our way and listen when we have time. Dios detected a certain uneasiness. It was not at home in there. Uneasiness was something that happened to other people. Yay! And we were both so happy. It's just... It's a, it's a crutch he uses forever. This mm-hmm. is the first of many appearances. This book, however, uh, has has uh, spurred us to add another long-running mm-hmm. uh, um, cliche. I say cliche. That's not quite the right word. Just words he uses a lot. It's prejudice. Yes, it's and it's it comes up a lot, and he uses it to hand wave stuff away. And honestly, I kind of appreciate it. Yeah, uh, and that word is quantum. Mm-hmm. And it comes up a lot in this book. Basically, whenever uh, it's so complicated that it's science that you will never understand mm-hmm. that might basically be magic, uh, mm-hmm. it's quantum. There were 11 occurrences of quantum in this so book. So many. So I, I think we were right to add it to our list. Yeah. And it's going to keep coming up. Oh, it absolutely will. Because quantum. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Okay, so uh, f- final cards on the table. What'd you give it? Um. So I gave it a C-. Minus, and really? it would have been a D- if I hadn't already rated Sorcery D. Didn't you give that a D minus? No, I gave it a D. Oh. Um, because it wasn't as bad as Sorcery. Give Sorcery an F. Change it. Yeah. Sorcery is... Well, I want to save an F for moving pictures. No, you want to save an F for the Amazing Maurice. Oh, I want to... Yeah, rodents. I want to... Because that one is... That mm-hmm. one's barely a book. Uh-huh. Oh, no, it's very long. It's an unpleasant Eric experience. Eric is barely a book, and it might be good. Yeah, Eric, I don't remember anything about it. It might be fine. Yeah. But Amazing Maurice is unpleasant there was not one thing like it's I. it's not funny it's the only one i gave up on mm-hmm. i've read it mm-hmm. well we'll get to it yeah unfortunately Our, uh, we committed to reading all the Discworld i guess books. we don't want to read all but one of the disc no books. no then i would be a ghost with unfinished business yeah i gave it a c it was fine it's not exemplary in any mm-hmm. way i will never read it again no i will this this is this has taught me don't read this one again and this is one of a few different review shows that I've done. And one thing going back through something you love does is help you remember, oh, this is worth revisiting or mm-hmm. I will never do this again. And I thought Weird Sisters was kind of like, well, not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh, I might reread. Like when I go back and do just the Witches book, yep. I'll probably start with that one this time. I will read. Or maybe source. Equal I'll, Rights. I'll read Equal Rights again. Mm-hmm. Um, you said you were going to read. Uh, I know that was a slip of the tongue. But you just said you're going to read Sorcery. I will never read Sorcery again. I'm going to read it to you in bed, in our Ikea bed. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Anything else? Um, I don't think so. Very well. Uh, listen carefully as our closing menu has changed. <laughs> this has been a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross, copyright 2019. For full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Oh no, I have to do the things I promised I'd do. Uh Uh-huh. 
Thanks for listening.